Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Real Military Spouse Radio Show. Here's your host, Dave Evers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Male Military Spouse Radio Show. Uh, it is episode number 69. It is stereotypes, and we want to find out what chaps your military male ass. The ones that, that I mean, those of us that have been in the military for a while, we definitely are at least as far as being a military spouse, there are certain stereotypes about military spouses that deal with the women are usually the military spouse. And it's not 100% military spouses being women. It, us guys are military spouses. I have my host, my co-host Jay Howe is on the line right now. And it looks like I guess somebody's walking up to the door. Let's see who we have that's uh, knocking at the door. Good morning. Who is this? Good morning. Dan Hogan here. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Not bad, man. I'm at work right now, so I will be muting my mic, but I'm here to listen in today. All right. Well, we got you on there now. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, well, no, I'll just, I'll, yeah, you go ahead and mute your mic, and that'll work fine. That way, if you got something you want to jump in, you can jump in. All right, sir. All right, we'll see you. Okay, uh, Jay, how you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Another day. Above ground is always a good day. day. It is. It is. Uh, I got somebody else that wants to try to come in here. Looks like, uh, oh, hey, you know what? It's our, our buddy Susan Reynolds is, is coming up to the door. Let's see. Is that her? Uh, Oh, yep, she just rang the doorbell. Hello, Susan. Hi, how's everyone doing this morning? Good. We're going to have some fun with you because we're going to chew you out. How's that? Why? What did I do? Oh, no, no, no. It's not nothing you did. It's uh, it, it's today's episode I want to talk Am about. Am I taking the brunt for all male stereotypes today and why you don't Probably. like female military spouses? Great. I'm so Probably. excited to be on the show then. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> well, I got Jay's. Uh, Jay uh, is is co-host as usual for Mailman Hi, Jay. Radio Show. He's here. Morning. And then I've got uh, who's muted because he's at work right now, but he wants to listen. Is Dan Hogan? He will jump in whenever uh, he gets an opportunity that that he wants to say something. But good morning, uh, Dan. Yeah. I'm sorry you can't respond. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Thank you. Good morning I, to you guys, too. Oh, yay, there's Dan. <laughs> there's Dan. Now, yeah, I come up with the idea because I was going through some posts that I had missed, and somebody somebody had pointed out that, that uh, on SpouseBus, the, there was the, the top ten stereotypes. And that's an article I had written, I don't know, close to a year ago. And it never got published until oh, – well, actually, not two. It, it got published in August of 2014, almost two years ago. Completely forgot about it. But I, I took a look through there, and I'm going, you know what? We're still hearing all the same things that I had written about then, 
and I wanted to see if there was anybody's got any uh, any any new ones that have come out. So we are opening up the phone lines as usual. 516-453-9167. If you're listening and you want to know what that phone number is because you can't get to the phone right away. If you're driving, and I recognize this is the morning commute in uh, on the East Coast um, and all the way through the West Coast. Actually, on the East Coast, what it's right, right about 9 a.m. right now. Uh, but over on the, East, on the West Coast, it's going to be like 6 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. So... If you're driving uh, and you want to talk on the show, by all means, bring it up onto your Bluetooth and do it that way. But if you need to say anything and you need to use your use your cell phone, please pull off the side of the road. Don't run into anybody. We're doing pretty good. Not very many military spouses have been dying on the road. Uh, let's make sure that none of them are men, okay? Anyway, <laughs> so enough with that. Who cooks and cleans at your house? How many have ever heard that one? That's I'm, I'm going down this list of, of stuff I wrote two years ago, and I still get that. As a matter of fact, I got that when we were at uh, um, D.C. a couple of weeks ago for the, for the um, Military Spouse of the Year Award. I had somebody ask, that, ask me that question, do I get asked that often? And I, at the moment, couldn't, but they said they, that, that, that uh, that's something that they've heard said to the military spouses in their neck, neck of the woods. Who cooks and cleans at your house? That is a horrible stereotype, Susan. Oh, I don't do the cooking and cleaning. <laughs> Why not? Because I'm a mess. I always forget. We always – we're like kind of – To understand the dynamic of my household, I think people need to come in here. We're just kind of like crazy people that I don't have a lot of tether. Like I, I have very little structure and some and and that tethers me like to the ground firmly, right? Like I am so heads in the cloud. Like I do enough cooking, and same thing with my husband. We just kind of are like, hey, if you're hungry, eat. If not, okay. As long as our son is fed and his clothes are clean. And our house is not disgusting so that we can all play and roll around on the floor. That's how we roll, right? But, like, as adults, we're like, we don't cook these big meals, right? We just make sure Ian eats, and then we just kind of fend for ourselves as the grown-ups. It's, I'm not kidding. It's That's, weird. That works out pretty good. I, at, at our house, Because I never know when he's to... coming and going. I never know when my husband's coming and going. And so, you know, the nights that I try to make, like, a big old family dinner, he doesn't get home until, like, 10 o'clock that night. And I'm like, well, that, that was nice. Yay. Here's your cold food. So, <laughs> you know, like, so, Live out of the freezer. so now I just, I'm not even sure what to do on how to plan even accordingly with him. I, and then I know that sounds terrible, but it just says I don't know how to plan accordingly. So what I do, some, then this is the other thing I'll do, is I'll make enough food so that he can have dinner later, and if he doesn't want that for dinner, then he can take it to work the next day for lunch. Right, right, right. And you bag it up into the baggies and you put it in the refrigerator, make sure you label yep. it so that it has at least a close proximity of date. Uh, although I've kind of gotten away from that because my wife, or she wants to do that, she says, oh, good, we have leftovers. I'll take it to work with me in the morning. He always and so forgets. she'll go to the hospital. 
she'll go to the hospital in the morning with all intentions, you know, of, of sticking that in the in the, the refrigerator, which the the other respiratory techs really like because they they get a decent meal that way if she doesn't eat it right away. Um, she forgets, and it's still yeah. in the refrigerator, and it stays there for until it starts growing its own little community. Yeah, Jeremy does the and same actually, thing. He just forgets. Yeah, so I I, I now cook just. And I do. I like the cooking. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the cooking and cleaning in our house. The cleaning is a, is is kind of iffy because I'm a I'm a slob. I'll admit it. Complete and total slob. And when the wife gets home, she's usually too tired because she's been you know making sure everybody's breathing apparatus have been working. She's on her feet all day long. She'll come home. She really wants to get up sit down, kick her feet and shoes off and, you know, have herself a beer, get caught up on, on something on television. Um, cleaning is kind of hit or miss. And I have two teenage yeah. boys. So, you know, cleaning is definitely hit or miss. So, but the cooking, the cooking, I, I, I like cooking, but so does my wife. And I have one boy who likes to cook too. So I can tell you this, the kitchen is a total disaster. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, it's funny. I used to be, before I had my little boy, my house used to be spotless. And I mean, like, you could eat off the ground for days spotless. Okay? Was it the, was it the single, was it the first child syndrome, the making everything so clean? Well, no, and I mean he, he's the only, so it, it's it's really me just kind of learning to let things go. Really, that's how it, ca- it came down to. My house isn't filthy; it's clean enough. It's not as clean as it used to be. Where I used to be the girl that seriously would do the baseboards every week and like get the kitchen cabinets and this and that. No, I've I've learned to let some of those things go. I've just you know, you know, I get them not as often as I used to. It's not again not filthy, but it's not as um, pristine. And as polished as it used to be, because I have toys in the living room, because we sit out here and we play and Paw Patrol together, because I don't know why Paw Patrol is so popular, but it is. So we play Paw Patrol <laughs> together. And then, or now he's into, you know, and so, and then we have our Thomas the Train area. So we play Thomas together. And then now my son has started to get into Power Rangers. So now we do Power Rangers and stuff like that. And then the table, you know, I have, like, area for where his art supplies are because, um, well, Dave, you've seen pictures of my son's artwork. The kid loves to paint, and he's actually good at it. So, I, you know, I just have kind of, the house looks a lot more lived in now than it used to, whereas before it was just so perfect. Like, nothing was out of place. Everything was immediately picked up and put away. Perfect. Now it's not, you know. And I'm okay with that, actually. It's kind of nice. I feel a lot more relaxed. <laughs> hey, Jay, feel free to jump in, buddy. Uh, I can't say nothing about my house right now. It's a, it's a big, huge mess because of this PCS that's coming up. That happens. Um, that I happens. Do most, that's a PCS. Yeah, I, I do most of the cooking, actually. Uh, actually, I do all of the cooking in the house. <laughs> My wife bakes, I cook, which is fine. Um, I cook for three different restaurants, so I'm good with that. I like that. As for the cleaning, I don't like to do it, but uh, we're at a level of OCD where 
if it just becomes not where we want it, we will actually move stuff and do things. So I have that level. My wife has a higher level OCD, so she want, when she says she wants something clean, she'll get it clean, <laughs> or she'll make me clean it, one or the other. Yeah, make you clean it. That's pretty much it. I mean, I've got a I've got a I've got a dog right now who's just bound and determined. He will not go outside and use the bathroom. He there's it's like there's something out there in the yard that bit him or something. He will not go outside. It's nice outside. And he'll follow the other dog outside. But occasionally he'll get that wild hair and he will want to go outside and open the door and let him go outside. But otherwise I'm finding little presents all over the place. And it's it's sad that I don't clean it enough, often enough, fast enough, that I have to wait until I smell it before I know where it's at. I should be shot, right? Um, that's kind of gross, dude. <laughs> Do what? Just arrested? Jeez. That's kind of gross, dude. Because, like, okay, so we have two cats, right? And, I mean, the moment one of them decides to, you know, leave a present in a litter box for me, like, I don't understand how they're so cute. But, man, they are so offensive. And I'm like, my yeah. God, you guys got stinky butts. I immediately have to get rid of that stuff because I feel like the entire house is, smells like my cat's poo. And not only that, but I feel like it's been burned into my nose, right? Like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. And, and sadly, I don't have cats anymore for that reason. My God, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. <laughs> now, the... the, the the, the yeah. cooking and cleaning. It, uh, I, yeah, yeah. We need to just stop asking that question. I know it's a good artist, Jeb. I really do. It's a good artist, Jeb. Just well, like and here's the thing. I mean, if two people live in the house, then two people need to clean up after themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, part of what I'm trying to teach my little kid is that if he makes a mess, he needs to clean up his mess. Yes, he does. You know? Absolutely. Because. I mean, I get it when he was one. Obviously, if he's throwing wipes all over the house, he's not cleaning them up. But he's five and a half now. He drags out all of his toys into the middle of the floor. He needs to learn to pick up all of his toys that he's dragged out in the middle of the floor. And part of what I'm supposed to do as his mom is, you know, this is a phrase I learned in all my education classes, is model the behavior that I want him to, to use, right? So that means I need to show him by assisting him. But eventually, you know... Eventually, he's going to be able to do it on his own after I've shown him enough. And that's a big thing is that if I need him to get these things done, I need to, you know, we're going to, you know, we sing the cleanup song that he still learned when he was in daycare. So we still sing sing this cleanup song and make a game out of it like it's Mary Poppins and the spoonful of sugar stuff. So. I mean, seriously, we're singing, singing and dancing the entire time. It takes us like 20 or 30 minutes to pick up all the toys that he took him five minutes to throw onto the ground. But, man, at least it's getting done. Yeah, yeah, that is true. At least it's getting done. Uh, I have yet, but this I've is really a crazy person household, though, with only three of us and two cats. This really is a crazy person household. We're out of control around here. With a 15-year-old and a 20-year-old, I wish they had learned that because they still haven't. Yeah. Of course, I'm well, not really. Well, and now certain. I've noticed. 
with Ian yeah. is that if he sees other kids not picking up the way he does, he's like, that's not the, that's the wrong way. I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, my mommy. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm going to get my kid beat up. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send my mom to your house. Yeah, my mommy cleans this way. I think you need to pick up your toys this way. I'm like, um, Ian, <laughs> you can't be bossing around other people, honey. Yeah, but he will. He will. Huh. He will. He comes by it naturally. Yep. And after meeting you and enjoying a, good, a great week with you, uh, yep, I agree. You have yeah. All right. Hey, let's move on to uh, uh, the next one. The next one is, who wears the pants in the house then? Yeah. Male yeah, what is military that? spouses have that, that. We've been hearing that for a while now. Who wears the ho- pants in the house? Anytime you have a woman who has the the primary job, is primary breadwinner, and you have a stay-at-home dad, this is not limited only to military male spouses, but this is anytime you have a stay-at-home dad or a, a, a dad who works from home and mom is out there chasing the corporate ladder, climbing the corporate ladder, doing chasing her dreams, other people, in especially other guys, will walk up to you and go, well, who wears pants in your house? Now, I, I, and, and when I wrote the article, when I wrote the article, I, I, I said that it's, I'm pretty sure it was a good-hearted jab. But I think I've changed my mind in the last two years. It's not necessarily a good hearted jab. I think it's um, I think it's pure jealousy from the guys that are saying that to us that they wish they could do what we're doing. What do you think on that one? Thoughts yeah. on that one? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, jealousy it rears itself in, in strange ways. Oh, it's so ugly, isn't it? I've kind of come to that conclusion that that you know, and Jay knows what I'm kind of knows what I'm talking about in our our men's room, the where where us guys just we we pretty much say and do what we want, say and do what comes to mind without any fear of any kind of retribution, although. We it, we've had we've had our flare ups and our drama moments occasionally, but just not as much as you see in the, the women's groups. Um, we have one gentleman that that's what he pretty much does is he does his best to piss people off. I don't think he's doing it out of jealousy. I think he's just trying to piss people off. And the the, the idea of who wears the pants in the family boils down to again is that the, an age old stereotype of of that the man is supposed to be the one who makes the decisions. He's the one that's supposed to to be the the head of the household. And I grant you that is a, a Christian tenant that the man is supposed to be the priest of the household according to the Judo Christian religion or or the, 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 the all of the tenants involved with Judo Christianity. But um for years, it's exactly the way it was because men were, men were, you know, the hunter seeker, the the hunter farmer, the hunter provider. They were the ones that were were out there to protect 
and the the woman was the nurturer. She was the teacher. She was the she was the comforter, and so the pants and the family related to you know how how dirty you got. Did you get your did you get out there and dig in the ground and plant those plants so that you could have a good crop at the end of the year? The history behind the statement, who wears the pants in the house, is indeed one of the hardest core uh, stereotypes that we've had in a while, or, or that we have, period. And it goes against something that we were talking about in, in the, the, the room also that dealt with uh, whether or not women were, be, were being held down, were being suppressed, versus gender types dealing, you know, with GI Jane, GI Jane toys that that you don't find. You find GI Joe in dark green. It's a guy carrying a gun. You play army with GI Joes. You play with the little little toy soldiers. There aren't any women in those roles, in those uniforms that are, you know, so there's no equality in that. So the, the, when it, as, when the question comes down to who wears the pants in the family, how do you handle that? Do you, do you, do you handle it on the lines of this person's not politically correct and they need to be educated or do you look at it going, ha ha ha, I still wear the pants in the family because I'm still the guy. Ha, ha because I have testicles, you're going to have to live with that. But, go ahead. So, a can of worms for you, Susan? No, because I, okay, so I, first of all, I don't, okay, so I think political correctness, I'm, I'm putting that aside. I, if, how people run their home and who wants to be in charge if 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 they feel the need to do something like that, that's all on them. That's none of my business. The only thing, the only time I'm ever going to stick my nose into anyone's business is is if abuse, you know, someone's croaking, you know, um, cooking crack in their house, things like that. You know, you know the the things that make people stick their nose into other people's business. In my opinion, you know, like, you know, if I know that you are, you know, seriously like a meth dealer in your house, I'm going to do something about that one, right? Because, you know, to me, I'm sorry, there are kids involved especially. Although it's just, it's meth, so, you know, that's a legal substance. I'm going to report you to the police. Um, But now if we're talking like every day, like how my household is run compared to yours, Dave, it's really nobody's business who wears the pants. And if... The fact that we still focus on even that, to me, is an archaic mentality. You know, like, who cares? It's their home. Are they hurting anyone? Are their kids happy and healthy? You know? I mean, it doesn't matter who's in charge. I don't know why we feel the need to say that someone's in charge. Why can't everyone be in this home together and be loving towards each other and that's how we just do things and there you go because the assumption is made that i am the one who is in charge of this household right because i've got a very strong personality and that's not it at all we really jeremy and i very much equally talk about everything we refer to ourselves as reynolds incorporated he's the ceo he's the cfo and i'm the ceo because we all know the person who's in control of the money is really the person who's in control right absolutely so you know but it's and it's because you know we just we like to look at things and do things together that's just how we do things 
that may not work for somebody else. When he's not home, then everything is all on me, and I'm taking all, you know, taking all the roles that have been that we've kind of assigned ourselves, and I'm doing them all myself. And he's going to have to trust my judgment. You know, if I really need his his thoughts and opinions on something, I'm going to let him know. Hey, I, you know, can we try to Skype sometime so I can make sure I'm going to let me tell you what we have going on. You know, what do you think? Otherwise, he just has to have faith and trust in what I'm doing that I'm not going to do something absolutely insane like sell the house, burn it down, buy a new car, um, put us into you know serious debt or anything like that. And since he does have that kind of faith in me. He knows that he's going to come home and our house will be fine. Ian will be fine and we'll be okay. But I just don't understand why we have the, I think for me it's a big, like to me the bigger, the problem is and the issue is, is why do we feel the need to, A, know how people run their homes. It's none of our business. And, two, why do we still as society feel the need to, I mean, have the thought that somebody has to be in charge? It's a family. Uh, the having to be in charge, I think, is it, it just deals with a historical, uh, exactly historical base behind it more than anything else. Uh, it, it, I have a joke that goes with the who wears the pants in your family, and I'd say, well, I do because I look horrible in a skirt. <laughs> Wear a kilt. I can't even wear that. I look horrible in a kilt, too. I normally just say that uh, I do, just that the wife tells me which pants to put on. <laughs> uh, it, on, on a side joke, on, on side side fun, funding with that one, uh, getting ready to go to the, the military spouse thingies that we did, in D.C., my wife was, you know, scrambling about trying to find the right dresses to buy, the right dresses to wear, because she doesn't really have any dresses. My wife is is not the, you know, she's not a, a big fan of wearing dresses, and I personally don't care whether a woman wears a dress or wears a pantsuit or wears jeans or cutoffs or, although I, I'm kind of, like cutoffs, um, skimpy cutoffs, or Daisy Mays are great. I love that stuff. But um, what she has in her closet is what she wants to wear. I don't care what it is, as long as she's comfortable, she's happy. And here we were going to Washington D.C., and she's like, "Oh my God, I got to get a dress!" And she's scrambling around trying to find dresses and all. And she actually looked better in her pantsuits than anything else. I thought she looked great. She she's an awesome little gal. I love my wife. She's like she's, she's a lot perfect. of fun to hang out with. Yes, she is. She's downstairs right now. Uh, I believe drinking beer and watching television. I love. She just got beer. home from work. So yeah, um, here's the next one. Here's the next one. <laughs> uh, a stereotype. Boy, I bet the kids get tired of eating mac and cheese, huh? Like as in, uh, we don't know how to cook. Us guys do not know how to cook. Yeah, right. We know how to cook. We invented barbecue. We are the master of the bratwurst. 
So um, mac and cheese, great standby, but I know how to cook. I know a lot of women, that's the only thing they can cook is mac and cheese. So just shut the hell up. Comments? <laughs> um, my oh. kid would eat mac and cheese every single day of his life. <laughs> and it's and I try to get him out of eating mac and cheese every single day, but he loves it. So, I mean, I don't give it to him every day, but that's what he likes. He's five. He seriously would eat fish sticks, chicken nuggets, sausage, and it's when when really what sausage is is actually it's it's a bratwurst, but he calls it sausage. Sausage, spaghetti, and meatballs, and mac and cheese for the rest of his life, and green beans and corn. These are his staples. These are the things he likes. He likes green beans, corns, and, and wait, carrots. He likes carrots, too. So if he could eat all of these things forever, he would be very happy. He's five. Be ready. You know, what are be you going to do? Be ready. There's going to come a time when he's going to go, ew. Yeah. It, it happened. I thought that was going to happen. I've had six kids. I have the last two are in the house here. Every single one of them got to that point where it's like, you know, Mac and cheese, ew. Dude, why yeah. are you saying turning your nose up to mac and cheese? We haven't had it for a month. It's like, yeah. ew. So it'll happen. It'll happen. I mean, there were times when that's what they had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because that was what they wanted. Those were good days because I could make a good oven-baked macaroni and cheese, the real McCoy, and that stuff would last a week. And as kids grew, it lasted shorter periods of time. And now they turn yeah. their nose up at it. So. Oh, I love the real stuff. I'm, and I yeah. Ian likes the homemade stuff too. What was your favorite staple at home, there, Jake? Uh, sure, wasn't mac and cheese. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I, I just don't do mac and cheese. My wife does a great mac and cheese. She does like six layers of different cheeses, kind of thing, and. I just don't eat the stuff, so I don't make it. I only cook stuff that I eat, that, that I will eat. You no, know, since I cook a dinner that I'm not going to eat. But I'm no, just that looking at makes it. sense, yeah. So I'm looking at it over here, and I'm thinking about it. You know, a lot of, many of the world chefs today, the professional chefs, are men. There are mm-hmm. women, without, but most of it, the bulk of it is men. So when you run across these that stereotype, uh, you know, bet the kids get tired of mac and cheese, huh? That kind of like, uh, well, you know, like I said, I cook for three different restaurants. So my wife is, is very happy with my cooking. <laughs> the same with my family. Uh, I had no no complaints about it. But uh, as far as a staple, spaghetti is the easiest thing to do. So if I get tired or if I'm running out of time, spaghetti is what we're going to have. Nice. Well, spaghetti is just mac and cheese without uh, the shape of macaroni Without the cheese. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it like tastes good, you know? Yeah, vegetarian BMT. Just just release the bacon and, you know, maybe even release the tomato because the slices of tomato are known as the meat of the potato, and that will offend the vegetarian. Yeah. So get down to a lettuce sandwich. Another go-to meal for us is uh, what we call loco moco, which is a Hawaiian dish. Well, it's not even a Hawaiian dish. It's I don't even know where it came from. It's an American dish that we just Hawaiianized. 
All it is is a bit of rice with a hamburger patty with a fried egg on top drowned in brown gravy. Oh, yummy. Uh, I, I have do my spam <laughs> so, instead. Well, no. Actually, what I do is that since I, I used to cook in several different restaurants, what I do is I'll, I will uh, take mushrooms and I will saute the mushrooms in butter first. Once it absorbs all that and kind of releases the juice back, I'll, I'll do a red wine reduction on them, and then I'll do another pat of butter on it. Then I'll take that, let it cool off a little bit, and then I'll fine mince it and mix it into the ground beef and make patties out of that. Then I'll cook it, and then I'll, I'll lay it and, you know, do, do the layers of rice, that, that beef patty with the fried egg on top. And then I do my own homemade brown gravy from scratch. You know, do a, a, a roux. Then you add the, the – instead of adding water, I would add a beef stock to kind of make the gravy. Uh, oh, that of sounds good. Worcestershire sauce, a little bit of uh, moggies to round it out and let it kind of thicken. And then I pour that all over on top. And then when you cut into the fried egg, it, it breaks the yolk and it makes it even better. So I do mine a little bit different, but yeah, basically it's just rice, beef patty, fried egg, and brown gravy. But that's a quick one to do. I don't mean to get off of the subject of, of uh, stereotypes, but you said something there in the cooking stuff that I've never understood, and I would like somebody to explain it to me. Red wine reduction. What exactly is that? Uh, <laughs> I don't it, know either. So Yay, Jay's here. Is, um, say for like a, you, you normally do it for mushrooms or any type of vegetable kind of thing. So a red wine reduction or a white wine reduction, any type of wine reduction is when you add the wine to it and you're going to cook it and you're going to boil it and it's going to reduce in the pan, the, the amount of liquid that you're putting in will reduce by a third. So it'll thicken. Really? What you're doing is you, you, you're burning off the alcohol, leaving behind the tannins. So you got that flavor of it, and it sweetens because you're leaving all behind the sugars. Well, could now, you a do red that wine with... reduction uses a red wine, and it goes great with mushrooms. If you want to do a white wine reduction, I'll do it with onions. It'll sweeten the onions. Can you do that with any fluid, like maybe grape juice or, you know? Um, normally it's done with alcohol because alcohol has, has a higher content of, uh, of sugars in it because the yeast will eat it and, you know, make the alcohol, and the alcohol will burn off, reducing the liquid faster. I mean, you could do it with grape juice. You can do it with soda. Um, what it does is that it, it takes a little bit longer, but the, the water content out of it will evaporate, leaving behind the sugars. So when you take, like, a can of beer and you put it in with the, the chicken on the grill kind of thing, you know, when you do that, you're burning off the alcohol, letting the, oh. the water evaporate, leaving behind the sugars from the, the yeast that was eating it. So it kind of makes it a little bit sweeter, a little bit softer. But, the, but all of that stays in the can of beer when you, when you, when you shove it up the chicken's ass and you put them in the, in the oven uh, right. or, in the, or in the cooker because it, it, it's the steam coming off that's cooking the chicken from the inside, but it's flavored and all. I mean... Right, I've done that, and it just made sense because, and it's also kind of enjoyable shoving a beer can up a chicken's ass. But um, you know, it's, right, but you're burning off alcohol, and the steam comes up and into the the chicken. 
See what I'm saying? Although you're still having most of the liquid still stays inside the can, some of it's still escaping. So it's very right. similar yeah, to yeah. a reduction. Huh. But you're using, That's but when you do the reduction, you're using the, 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 the now, the now uh, uh, syrup that you're creating, you're using that, and then you're cooking the mushrooms in it, basically coating, et cetera. Well, what, that's the thing I love about mushrooms, that they're very porous, and they will absorb that. You'll actually see it change mm-hmm. color. Yeah. Wow. So you, you'll see that the mushroom will, will firm up, it, it absorbs it, and if you cook a little bit longer, you'll see it kind of release it back out. So you get a little bit of a sauce, but it's a little bit thicker sauce because, one, you're reducing the, the liquid content of it. Two, it went into the mushroom, now it's coming back out of it. So I'll put in another pat of butter onto it, and then it'll suck it all back up again. Wow. You know what I mean? So that's what a red wine reduction is. A white wine reduction is just using white wine. Um, you see it a lot in stir-fry, too. They'll do sake, which is rice wine, and yeah. it's white. Right? So they'll, they'll add sake into it, and they'll burn off the alcohol, leaving behind all the, the tannins, all the flavorings behind it, and all the sweetness behind it. That's what they're doing. Same thing with uh, vodka a la pen. If you're doing a, uh, a vodka reduction of kind of like a uh, primavera or like a, a white sauce, but you're going to add it in with a tomato, so you're going to actually bring vodka back into it, and you're going to burn off all the, the tannins and all that, or uh, burn off all the alcohol. You're starting to break up there, Jay. Um, might be you. Yeah, I sh- can hear him. It might be, yeah, um, so, it yeah, could yeah, be it, me. Yeah, they, there's many different ways to do it. Uh, for example... Uh, you know, like I said, the, the vodka a la pen, that, that's one that I know Italian restaurants do. I used to work at an Italian restaurant and cook for them. So th- that's all the reduction is. It, it, we, you're adding in alcohol, and you're going to reduce it by X amount percent before you start uh, moving on to the next step. Cool. Okay. Uh, you know, I used to love cooking before I had a kid. I mean, like, my husband and I, that was, like, our thing. That was, he would get home from work, we would cook together, we would drink a glass of wine, we would dance to Sinatra in the kitchen. It was great. Now we don't do that. Now we have Sesame Street on in the background. Huh. Could be shocked. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay, for, you know, helping me realize how much I miss cooking. (laughs) Hey, and now you've got some new ideas on what to do. I know. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Which, which is kind of an interesting segue into into uh, uh, something that we needed to kind of sort of talk about. You, know, you guys have noticed that Susan's been on the show a few times here. Um, you do realize that this is kind of we're, we're basically setting something up. Susan and I are going to start another podcast, but it's going to be open to all spouses everywhere called Spouse to Spouse. And we're still going to continue to do Male Military Spouse Radio Show. We're going to continue to talk about things that deal with us guys because we are so damn unique that it, you have to have the, 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 special, the special show. But uh, we're getting Susan up to speed to being able to come up with ideas and let it go, do stuff. Right, Susan? Yes. And I've got, we've got some good ideas so far. 
We just haven't settled on a time to start doing this. No, but we're still working on it. That's why, because they're working on the logo and everything like that, which looks good. You know, but, you know, we don't need a logo to start the show. I started the show, and I was almost a full year into it before I got a decent logo. I know, I know. What is this sticky thing on my counter? Gross. I don't know, something Ian left you. It's a present. It, It is. It is something that Ian left me. Man, that kid is crazy. Here, okay, so here, I'm going to ask you guys a question, okay? Because I could use a male perspective, and I could use a dad perspective, but I could also just use, um, you know, I need a different perspective. My tiny human is not doing very well right now, and it is absolutely heartbreaking to see. He really, really misses his dad. I mean, he's just, and it is now to the point where at five years old, he's just kind of starting to shut down, even at school. Like, he's just not doing his work. He's not eating very well. And so I'm taking him into his doctor. But I got to tell you guys something. I feel absolutely powerless as his mother to help him. And I have to say that I think that this is the worst feeling I've ever had. And I just, I just don't know what to do. Besides cry, which I don't think I need to do that because that doesn't seem to be helpful, and that's kind of counterproductive. But um, I just, you know, it's sad. I mean, this is a little boy who's very full of life, and then all of a sudden he's just, I'm ready for him to be home. And I'm like, honey, we, we're we just, you know, we're not even, we're that's not happening anytime soon. So, you know. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, re- you know, I I feel like I'm not reassuring him very well. Um, I'm not the most structured person, so I think that, you know, my kid really needs a lot of structure, and I am not structured, so that there's, you know, I'm trying to put structure on myself, and it feels like the most unnatural thing on the planet. But I just, I just want to make him feel better, and, man, I'm really struggling with that one. Now, how old is he? He's five and a half. Okay. You have him in kindergarten, right? Yep. He's a phenomenal teacher. Okay. Well, I'm kind of glad you asked that question. Um, but I'll let Jay attack and attach or attack the, the the question before I give my response. Uh, any hints, Jay? Any ideas or? I yeah. I mean, there's got to be an external problem like uh whatever something's changed in his environment uh yeah daddy's gone or whatever ha- happened uh kind of thing um so you just got to sit down and reassure and spend more time with him and give him the attention that uh he he is lacking or thinks he's lacking yeah yeah okay you know it's you know, as we, when we when we parent on our own like this, we get so distracted by all the things that we need to do. You know, like oh, the dishes need to get done at night. Oh, this, you know, I need to get lunch ready. I need to get his clothes. You know, we need to get his clothes out and things like that. And I have to wonder, and I'm very certain. I'm I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that I've allowed those little nuances, those little things that yes, I know they need to get done, but they will get done. But what won't get done is that, and what I won't have back is this time with him. So I, right. perhaps I need to stop busying myself as well to just kind of sit and hang with him. Well, or, for example, 
we'll make it fun and let's let's pick out his clothes together and then we can go and sit and read a book, you know? Well, there's there's an easy solution. There's an easy, easy, easy solution. And um, it's called Boy Scouts of America. Yeah. There is a brand new program that they have started up with the Boy Scouts, and it's called Lion Scouts. The Lions is part of Cub Scouting. It is designed for those that are age five, it's for the kindergartners. And remember, Boy Scouts, well, well Cub Scouts, they, 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 whether or not you're a lion or a tiger or a wolf or a bear or a weebelos or arrow of light, that all deals with what grade you are in. It, it, it has to do with age a little bit, but it definitely deals with what grade you're in. And the kinder, kindergartners nowadays are so much more advanced than they were, say, 30, 40 years ago. Kindergarten, oh, gosh, yes. Back when I was in kindergarten, which was 40-some-odd years ago, 45 years ago, um, it was recognizing shapes. It was taking naps, eating your crackers, and going out and playing on the, the jungle gym. That was kindergarten. It was a half day. Uh, it taught you some basics. Myself, I taught myself to read. I taught myself math. I taught all of that at home because we lived around a whole bunch of college kids at, 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 in the, a college town. But now Cub Scouts is something where the parent has to be coupled with the scouts, with the child, with the boy, and you do everything together. So you will have all of that quality time you want, but you will also have an opportunity to do it. He will be doing it with other boys of his same grade, you know, as I said, kindergarten, and he will, he will, be getting the attention that he's lacking by not having dad at home. It's very structured. It's a whole lot of fun. You won't miss anything. He will grow and he won't even notice that that time is passing. And then when dad comes home, he has a shitload of stuff to say, dad, look what I did. Hmm. Yeah. Um, some, okay. For the lion thing, possible. If you don't have the time for that, then you don't have the time for that. My son was in, in Cub Scouts, and they were meeting at 6.30 at night. Oh, we're yeah, at, that would be too at, late. By like at 8, you know, because we're getting up at like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. So yep. it was very, very tiring for me, and my day is yeah. pretty full. So uh, scouting well, is great, yeah. Yeah, Cub uh, Scouts shouldn't be done at that late at night. It should be done uh, around lunchtime to early afternoon. But it definitely is. It is. It is definitely when you get involved with with Cub Scouts, you are an integral part of it as well as your scout because you have to be a team. They teach you a thing called Aquila, and Aquila is the leader. Aquila is the guard. Aquila is the the, the teacher, and Aquila is with you. Aquila is your friend. And that's usually whoever, you know, mom, dad, grandparents, uncle, whoever is there with the child learning that particular skill, how to build a, uh, how to build a birdhouse, 
how to create a derby car so that you can get into the Pinewood Derby, how to, uh, gosh, there's so many, so many crafts and things that you do that are developmental. You're helping them. They actually get to hold the hammer and pound in the nails, but you're there helping, they're helping holding their little hand and making sure that they don't hit other things like their wrist when they're pounding in the nails, but they feel like they're, they're pounding in the nails, building that birdhouse. The stuff is cool. And if they do it at six 30, I, 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 Jay, I got it. My heart goes out to you. That was the only time you should have scouts out at six 30 is when they're, you know, uh, up at Weeblow's level, you know, that's age 10, uh, uh, getting ready they had it at that level or at that time because a lot of the, the families would have normal things during the day, and they got to work yeah. and everything else, they get off of work, they go home real quick, grab something real quick to eat, and then go to the Cub Scout meetings. And yeah. it, it was really, really difficult uh, to do, but um, it was still fun. We liked it. But uh, going back to what Susan was saying is that, like, my son right now, my oldest is staying here in Rhode Island because he graduated in high school. And he's going to oh, go to the URI. Wow. Yeah. So my youngest, who's nine years old, he's already missing his brother, who's not even gone yet. Mm-hmm. So we, what we do is uh, we have a lot of uh, family time. So our youngest would, would hang out with mommy and daddy, and we'd watch TV, whatever he wants to watch. And we just have, you know, bonding time. And we, well, we'll ask him about his day and how everything's going and... We always talk to him, and that way he, he knows that if he needs to talk, he, he can always talk to us about stuff. And Ian is um, very much like my husband where, um, as Dave knows, because he's now met me in person, I convey my needs very easily. It's just like, boom, there it is. It's right out. But my husband and my son, um, they are very reserved with their uh, feelings. Yes, you know how they feel, but their needs. So if they need something, they don't necessarily convey that. And um, and that's very – that I have to say that kind of a personality trait is very difficult for me as a parent because I feel like I'm playing a guessing game a lot. You know, and, and that's – but then I take a step back and I'm like, well, boy, genetics sure are interesting, aren't they? Wow, look at that. Oh, okay. So I have to so, – and then there's that part of me that I'm like, can you stop being mind-blown by genetics for a minute, Susan? Thanks. Move on. So I thought about it, and I was like, you know, because this week has been a really hard week on him, you know, and, and he's had um, a number of ear problems that we know that he had some hearing loss, some mild hearing loss in one of his ears. So I want to make sure that his ears are doing okay. And he actually said that it everything is very loud for him, which means then that the ear tubes are working. And I was so excited, yes. and this it sounds terrible to say that, but I, I was actually excited to have him tell me that everything was so loud. And I thought, oh, but kid, you don't get what that means. <laughs> the ear tubes are yeah. working. That means your head's not in that bubble like it usually is, and you feel like your head's yeah. floating in water because, you know, you, you've got so much fluid in there that you can't hear. So... I told, you know, so now I was like, well, you know, if your ears hurt because it's too loud, you need to let your teacher know that it's too loud for you and it hurts your ears. If it's too, you tell that to mommy at home, it's okay to tell your teacher. So I, I told him because he, he likes to paint, so he has his painting class tonight. He does his painting t- today. So I told him, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to go to painting 
because he likes, like I said, he likes it, that structure and he likes to know what's going on. We're going to go to painting. We're going to come home and make pancakes for dinner. And then we're going to watch Kung Fu Panda 3. Oh, and awesome. he is so, isn't that, and he's so excited about that. That is so exciting. And he's going to get his step stool out and he's going to help me stir the pancake mix. I won't let him near the stove because, you know, it's a stove and I don't want him to burn himself. But I'm going to have him watch me so he can learn how to appropriately use this stove so he feels like he's part of it. And I thought that's what he needs is something like that every day where we just do an hour together where he feels like I'm listening and I'm not distracted by all the things that need to get done. Because guess what? I, and it hit me yesterday. Those things will need to get done the next day too. And the day after yep. that, and the day after that. Yep. But the so, things uh, that I don't get back is that time with him. So, and I always pre—that's the, the one big advice that I give to people when I'm talking about advocacy is that you don't get this time back. Make sure you spend that quality time with them. And here I am, all wrapped up in the distractions of daily life, and and distracted by you know, okay, well now I need to take the garbage out. Now I need to do this. No, I mean. It, it'll be okay, you know, like I'm just going to have to let those things go because Ian needs his mommy because he misses his daddy, and so we're going to spend that quality time together. Plus, Kung Fu Panda 3 is funny. Okay, well, Kara Loken, she also said that that happened to her son on first deployment. He made himself physically sick. Oh, goodness. So if you're oh, not my track- goodness. On the blogtalkradio.com, Macho Spouse, where we're hosting, there's a little chat pod back there on the Ooh. bottom. So Kara, or Kara, however you pronounce her name, is Kara. there. and she, so Yeah, Kara. Okay, so she's there. Kara's amazing. You would like Kara's Kara, the, Jay. Uh, she's really National cool stuff. National Guard Spouse of the Year. You would like her, Jay. She's, she's the, good stuff. She's one of the top six. Right on. Sounds good. She's, she's cool. She's the people. Well, thank you guys for everything. I appreciate the advice, and I'm going to see. And it's so funny because I never would have thought about the Scouts because I did, like, Girl Scouts for, like, a hot minute because I just couldn't stick with it because um, selling the cookies because this is back when, you know, you actually didn't sell cookies I'm gonna put you know, this at way. a place. You actually went door-to-door in your housing. Seriously, like that's how we did things when I was a Girl Scout overseas. We actually went door-to-door in the housing units, okay? And yeah. like we with okay. bags and bags of cookies because you could do that back then. But now you go to locations and you buy them that way. And it's, um, you know, but well, – and uh, so I didn't like Girl Scouts very much. And so, you know, I was like, well, I can't keep up with this. Let me go and do something else. <laughs> okay, Susan, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Boy Scouts, they don't sell cookies. They sell popcorn. No. Ooh, and I like we, popcorn. We don't get to do that door to door anymore either. No, no. Um, pretty much everything is done. It, they'll put you, plop you in front of the commissary, either Boy Scout yeah. or Girl Scout, yeah. whoever, whichever troop decides to sign up for that, and then uh, they'll go ahead and plop you there, and then you just catch people as they're coming in or going out. Say, hey, you would, would you like to support troop, whatever, or Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, and you sell them from there instead of going door to door now. And I'm going to give you a warning, do not, do not eat the chocolate-covered popcorn. Why? It's addicting. Oh. I thought you were going to tell me it was gross. You know, no. I prefer the popcorn. It's healthy, like like $50 a tin, but you know what? 
It's worth every penny. You're so funny, Dave. I really like talking to you guys. You guys are fun. Thank you for this advice. I appreciate it. Hey, it's worth looking into. Uh, hey, See, now here's what I time. like about having male military spouses in, in our in our family support group. I like having you guys around because I like getting this other perspective. That's something I never would have thought of. Do you have any male military spouses in your, your spouse groups? Yes. At the moment? Yes. Are they active? Um, our group is not as active as it used to be. Or are they scared? Um, well, we had this one guy named Tim, and Tim was the best. Tim was great. We loved Tim. And then they moved to Okinawa, so we, we were sad to lose Tim. And we have a couple, and they're active, but, you know, it's one of those things that we're just not as active as a spouse's group as we used to be. Um, I think just everyone's busy all of a sudden, and I don't know. And I don't know. Something. I mean, I wish we were a little more active as a spouse's group, and, um, you know, I, I miss it. And I miss, I, I like the camaraderie of it. I like, you know, that was the thing. We would all meet up for coffee and just kind of hang and bring the kids and go to the, sit at the park and let the kids just tear up the place, and we would just kind of sit and hang. That was great. It's good when it works that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah let's, I'm going to take a quick 60-second break, and then we'll be back with uh, the other half of the, the um, stereotypes that chap my ass, and uh, we'll get some comments and, and insights on those, too. So back in 60 seconds. Is your current financial state keeping you up at night? Unsure how you could possibly save for retirement with such a tight budget? Well, one of today's sponsors is the Military Guide for Financial Independence and Retirement, written by Doug Nordman and is available through your local library or for purchase on Amazon. This book shows service members, veterans, and their families how to reach financial independence and retire on their terms and, in my opinion, should be required reading for all man spouses. There are no tricks or gimmicks, just thoughtful spending and a higher savings rate. Most military families can do this within 10 to 20 years, and a few have done it even faster. All of Doug's royalties are donated to military charities, so you know he's financially independent without your money. So, get your copy today from the library or buy one at Amazon. The Military Guide to Financial Independence and Retirement, written by Doug Nordman. All righty, we're back live, Male Military Spouse Radio Show, episode number 69, Stereotypes. What chaps your male spouse ass? Here's one that pisses me off. What's wrong with you sending your wife off to war? Yeah. Oh, I hate that one. But they do it all the time. Even after how many years now have we had the females that have been... Uh, on the fronts in wars, et cetera. It's we twenty two thousand and one was when nine eleven happened, and we had women in combat positions, and that was how long ago? Fifteen years ago, and people are still saying that. What are you talking about? Women been in the military since the beginning of America. Yeah, they have. They have. Uh, I can't but, remember her name. She took uh, her husband's place as the artillery gunner in the Civil War. Molly Pitcher. That was the Revolutionary yes. War. 
A Revolutionary War, rather, yes. Yes, and in fact, you know what they do now because of what Molly Pitcher did? So she used to bring pitchers of water out, which is how she got the nickname, right? And so she would bring up pitchers of water to keep the guys cool. And then when her husband was injured or killed or something like that, she was like, well, i got to get to work. And so she kept, she did his job. And now the artillery community in both the Marine Corps and the Army have created an award, the Molly Pitcher Award. And it's an honor of her taking up the cause and, 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 and for supporting the troops and stepping in when she was needed. Isn't that yep. cool? It is awesome. Yes. Because I, I mean, know so, a couple of people, you know a couple of people too, Dave. Um, Katie Lopez was um, given that award out at Fort Campbell. Yep, yep. God, oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. But you hear, okay, so on the flip side of that, you hear, this is the this is what I the comment I get. How can you send your wife off to war? I get that, well, why are you okay with your husband going to war? Doesn't he like your family? <laughs> Seriously? There's those memes that's out there, you know, it's, uh, what is it? We left to fight not because we hate what we left behind, but we love what we left behind or something like that. Oh, uh. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Uh, and I, I can see the picture right in front of my face, but I—I I mean, in front of my eyes, but I can't. I can't. I hope you find it because I can't remember what it is. Um, <laughs> it's going to take me a little while to find it and track it down, <laughs> but yeah. Hey, I've you're good with the computer. Smart. You're good with the computer. You can find that stuff quick. I know. I, I, Normally, I, I mean, we're talking memes. Memes are thousands and millions of these things. Yeah. When I wrote the article back in 2014, the, the response I gave off was, first, nosy person, it's not my choice. It was her choice to join, to continue her college degree, and to help the military at the same time. I am a good husband. I support her 110%. If she goes to the battlefronts, I want her to know she has nothing to worry about here at home, so don't try to make me feel guilty that war is bad. What does your spouse do? And if I remember correctly, driving the freeways is more dangerous than the battlefront. That's what I wrote in the article. And it still holds true today. Although I think freeway driving is a little safer now. And I just think, you know, to ask that question, you know, does your spouse want to be away from your family? Seriously? Like, this is, you know, oh, that's just so dumb. The military, I mean, like, to me it's such a an interesting um, conundrum because you've got, a, you've got both sides of the coin, right? So um, my husband joined pre-9-11. He joined in 2000, right? And then 9-11 happened. Um, less than a year after he enlisted. And he thought, you know, I joined the military because I wanted to do something. I wanted to, I, I, I call it hearing the call. That's what we refer to it in our household is that he heard the call. And, and when he heard the call, he said, I'm going to join the military and I'm going to serve this country. And that means by serving this country, I I'm expected to do X, Y, and Z. I do humanitarian missions. I go to war. I protect America. I defend the Constitution, and I take care of my family. 
And because those are the things that he wants to do with him, himself, I think it's it's a it's a a beautiful, honorable code that he follows that I think most of our service members see. Now you do have some who are like, I was just trying to get the college money, or back in the day uh, it used to be um, go to jail or join the army, and a lot of that. You know, doesn't that doesn't seem to happen as much as it used to? You know, the go to jail or join well, the army can't. kind of thing. It yeah. can't because they the drawdowns prevented that from happening ever again uh, due to the fact that that they're saying that we have too many people in the military. Yep. Well, if we have too many people in the military, then that means you're you're you got to find ways to cut them out. And what better way than to prevent them by preventing them from even joining? Because oh, you have a you have an arrest record. We don't want you. The military has never cared about whether or not your your military member can do the job. They just care whether or not they look good in damn uniform. Yeah. <laughs> and that just that chaps my ass right there, on uh, uh, military wise. That's one of the reasons I got out because I was a fat boy, and I you know I'm pretty damn large. And such, as such, they did not, you know, they figured that I wasn't, that, that I would never be good, look good enough in the uniform. And so they were able to successfully force me out. I mean, they, they oh, let yeah. me see the writing on the hall and I got the hell out. Well, what was that? I'm sorry about that. Why? Because I don't I, I don't know. I just think that there's a I don't know. I don't like pushing people out. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm just I don't know. We wouldn't be here today if we didn't if I That's true. That's true. That's very true. That's very true. I just, you know, I just don't like it when people um, you know, like, you know, I think I don't like it when people make that stereotype, do you allow your wife to go to war? It's her job. You know, I don't it goes back to that whole, like, who's in charge of your household mentality, you know? Like, it's, you know, I don't know. That's very strange. Do you allow your wife to go to war? Oh, that makes me mad for you, Dave. The, the people who say that really need to, come to, to, to focus on how they're saying it, why they're saying it, who they're saying it to. Because yep. <laughs> if they have the balls to say that to me, they should have the balls to say that to a fireman's wife. Yeah. Saying you let your husband run into a burning building. Yeah. Or of of a, a guy whose wife is a fireman. You let your wife run into a burning building. Well, hell yes, they're gonna go and save your stupid ass. And you want me to hold them back and tell them that they can't go save your stupid ass because you were smoking in bed, you dumbass. No, I, I, I I'm sorry. It's, you know, I, I was reading an article. Well, actually, it wasn't even an article. It was a, it was a Facebook thing where uh, it's a British, from the British Facebooks, where they, they, they actually had fun with it. And they put a guy, they showed a picture of a regular policeman, a Bobby, standing there in front of, I guess, in front of the, the front of Buckingham Palace 
or somewhere there in London, but dressed up as a regular policeman. And they said, uh, they said, so-and-so is comfortable with being a male policewoman. And the whole, the, all of the responses, I'll, I'll, I'll look that up for you quick. It was on uh, machospouse.com. Uh, I'll see if I can find that for you real quick. The comments were, were priceless because everything was done as if the, the, the roles were completely reversed. Where did it go? <clears throat> and actually, no, it wasn't on MachoSpouse.com. It was on who's beeping at me? Oh, stop it! That's shit. <laughs> yeah, okay. I went to the website. I should have the website. Y'all hear that? That was funny. That was funny. I started playing. Uh, uh, Chris's intro, but no, let's see, Macho Spouse, there it is, the Macho Spouse page itself, and he put one up there that was really good, okay, come on, load up, scroll down, oh yeah, quit counting, because I'm a moderator on the page, I, I get that it, it, it scrolls up and starts looking for looking for things as to how many people have been here. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Slow down just a little further. Pass the Mama Goose. Pass the George W. Bush Center's photo. And pass Appreciation Day. Oh, gosh, I guess I went. It did go back the way. There it is. Ha! Comments below. Okay, being called a policewoman doesn't bother me at all. I know because it covers both women and men. And this is, comes from uh, the guy's name is Andrew. He's a policewoman. He's age 36. And the comments, the comments are hilarious. I, uh, you know, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll go ahead and share this over onto the uh, male military spouse radio show. Facebook page simply because this is, it is hilarious. Let's see. Here's one that says the gal's name is Hannah North. And she replies, I'm actually uncomfortable at the idea of a male policewoman. I don't see how their natural aggression and dominant traits mesh with mesh well with a job that requires such people skills. Women are naturally more suited at being police women. I don't feel it's safe with so many male police women out there. Men should stick to what their biology dictates. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Kathy Collins says, Andrew's pretty fit. I'm not sure he wouldn't be a distraction for other police women. We need our police women to be able to focus on their work. And somebody, some, some foreigner, because it's written and looks like Greek, uh, well, I'm all for equality and stuff, don't get me wrong, but being a policewoman is a job of high responsibility and requires focus, sobriety, discipline, and insight. Males, as we all know, are very hormone-driven and think of sex each not seven to nine seconds. And it's not me, it's <laughs> biology and science proving that. 
how are they supposed to work in such a delicate field full of responsibilities, intricacies, and criminals? Of course, not all men are the same. So if Andrew, it's easy. If Andrew is a competent male policewoman, power to him. I mean, the, the comments are awesome, but they definitely show how sexist it has been in the past. Let's see. Susan M. Pierce, good on Andrew. It can't be easy for men doing such skilled and intelligent work. Maybe Andrew will be a role model for other men wishing to enter the force. Uh, Allison, Allison McCann, I'm so sick of all this PC nonsense. Who's looking after the kids while Andrew's out playing cops and robbers? A man's place is in the home. Fact. Uh, this other gal says it's great because having a male policewoman available can help in the more delicate situations for the freeing policewomen to get on with the tougher jobs <laughs> there's like there's like almost 900 comments on this it is hilarious That's so if you get funny. a chance uh, let, me go, let me go share that over onto my radio page on Facebook here. And no, not on my own timeline. Onto a page I manage. Well, I could do it over. No, I'll just do it over here. Radio show. And post it. There you go. So if you want to go see this one, go check it out. Go over to Male Military Spouse Radio Show Facebook page, and it should be right there up on the top. A few links and have some fun with it. This, the, the comments are hilarious. That sounds funny. It is good stuff. It's 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 hilarious. So that kind of throws into you know it fits in there with what's wrong with you sending your wife off to war. But then here's another here's the next one that really chaps my ass. I didn't know you played bunko. Yeah, I don't know what bunko is. <laughs> I've never played. It. It's a Jake? dice game. It's kind of like Yahtzee almost. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, you're rolling uh, dice and you're trying to get matching numbers, kind of thing. I don't know. I played it like one time and I'm like, eh, it's not for me. At least I'm out, I'm out there trying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, nobody here knows how to play bunko. We did a bunko thing at our old base one time, and I just sat there and drank wine. Yeah, it's basically uh, you sit there, drink, and you you shoot the breeze while you. Oh, I didn't roll. play. I just sat there and drank wine because I couldn't keep up with what was going on. It was very confusing, so I just drank wine. <laughs> okay, so it says here that uh, similar to the three card Monty. <laughs> uh, played three card Monty either. Okay, so within a round, players alternate turns rolling a dice, rolling three dice, aiming to obtain the target number. Players gain one point for each of the matching, for each die matching the target. If the player gets three of a kind of the target number, a bunco, they get 21 points. The round stops when the player at the head table obtains 21 points. Whoever wins the most rounds is the overall winner. 21-point game. That's how you do it. So it's like playing... Yeah, it's kind of like playing cards, like three-card Monty, but with uh, dice instead. Kind of like playing blackjack, only not. 
that's why I said it's kind of like um oh shoot it's kind of like Yahtzee but not you know so instead of saying Yahtzee you're saying Bunko <laughs> it's it's exactly like soccer only completely different exactly <laughs> exactly right <laughs> Kara says, me either. I've heard it's an easy dice game. Doesn't sound easy to me, Kara. <laughs> well, I mean, once you get, once you set the rules, it's really easy to play. You're just rolling the dice, rolling the dice, and you're looking for, it's kind of like uh, like craps, you know, because you're looking for that 7-Eleven kind of thing, but yet not. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, once you know the, the rules and okay. once you play it, it it's easy. But if you don't play it long enough, like how I only did it the one time, so it's like I forget what the rules are and how it plays. I just remember doing it. Um, it's an easy dice game to pick up. Yeah. It sounds like a bunch of bunk to me. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's like why a- they call it bunko. It could be. <laughs> On to the next one. The look of distrust. Us guy spouses hate that. And Did you read that right? Distrust or distrust? <laughs> distrust. You know, the okay. sitting, you take the kids, you're, you're, at, you're a stay-at-home dad. you got to take the kids out to, to socialize. There's no two ways about it. There is a, your, your on-base housing is a perfectly good playground just right over there. I mean, you can see it from your front door. And the kids want to go play on the slides, and they want to go swing on the swings. They want to play in the sandbox. You go over there, and there's that woman. I'm trying the to judgy to mom. Judgy, my God, she's worse than that. She looks yeah. at you. She's she's talking with her friend. She's, you know, I don't know. Have you seen the Have you seen the trailer for Bad Moms? Oh, God, yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Uh Here it is. I found it. Oh, my God. uh, uh, You get get stared at and you get stared down. And then one of them finally has the balls to come over and tell you, tell you to your face, we're just not comfortable with you being out here with our kids. What? Where am I supposed to take my kids to go play in the playground? And why are your kids better than my kids that my kids cannot interact with your kids? I've never seen that happen. Fort Campbell, it happens uh, quite often. Um, We've got guys that talk uh, 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 talk about it happening to them on a fairly regular basis in housing. Wow. Isn't that sad? It is. It is horrible. Oh, got somebody that's somebody at the door. Hang on. Let's find out who's at the door. Hello, who's this? Hello. Area code 305. Hello. Am I, that's Mindy. Mindy? <laughs> Can you Mindy? hear me? Mindy Brewster. Oh dear! God, we're in trouble. Can you shut it down? Down. Shut it down. Mindy's here. Shut it down. She's crazy. Shut it down. <laughs> now, folks, this is Mindy Brewster. She's from she's from Victory Media. 
How's it going? It's going slowly. Is it supposed no. to <laughs> It's not supposed to do that. Why not? Because nothing's See, judging, slow in life. You're judging me now. See? Shame on you. Never. Never. I love you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You say that. So what are we talking about? Oh, we're talking oh, about stereotypes. Oh, that's, there's a lot of those. Yeah, well, stereotypes against guys. And right now we're on the one that's called look of distrust. Where us guys, we take our kids out to the playground on military, uh, on base housing. And we take our kids out there to the sandbox and to the slide and to the swing set. It's provided in every neighborhood of every military housing. And all of the moms are taking their kids out there. And dad, because we're a stay-at-home dad, because mom is out there saving our country, we take our kids out there and they all look at us like we're rapists or criminals. Oh, no. And we let our kids go play, and now we don't have kids by our sides. So we now look like we are, I guess, to these biddies, perverts or <laughs> some sort of a stalker. And uh, Susan was shocked to hear it. Kara's on, on, uh, on the, the chat room listening, and she went, oh, my God. Uh, she says, I say, bullshit, and I I know what you're saying there, Kara, but it happens. It's true. It happens. It does. It absolutely does happen. I've noticed it on many bases that I've been on. See, either I'm really not paying attention, or I've just, I've never seen it. Like I just think that's mean that someone would do that. Like I don't like that. That's mean. I remember my last base. That's happened. Um, This one guy was, you know, we were sitting there chatting, and he went off to go take care of his kids. Another one goes, "Who is that, and why is he at the park?" I'm like, that's my friend, and those are his kids, and he's a stay-at-home dad, and, oh, he's not the active member? That's so weird. It happens. More stereotypes. It absolutely happens. Even at small bases, and you'll see it more on small bases than you will on larger bases. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. It is completely disgusting. It is, and it's. But the the hard part is is getting people to realize that there are male military spouses that you know that they're out there. And I've been on almost all these small bases, and we've maybe had five at the most. So it's just getting the stigma away from it because it does happen, and trying to include them in things, and then they get really weird looks when. One of my good friends, Robert, he would come to our spouses group all the time. We'd have, you know, our quarterly spouses group, and he'd get the weirdest look. Like, why are you here? And now, here's something else. And Kara pointed it out. She just she put it in the, 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 the chat room. It does happen in the outside world. It happened to her husband when he took their son to the park down the street, and an old lady was rude and snotty to him. Um and we do know it does happen in the outside world a lot more than it happens on post. I have to admit that. That is very true. It happens more in the outside world. And it's harder in the outside world than it is on post because on post, what are you, what are these biddies going to do? What are they going to do? Are they going to call the cops on me? 
well, who are they going to call? They're going to call the MPs. And you know how hard it is to get an MP out to, to housing. It's almost yeah. impossible. You have to burn the house down just to get an MP to go, where? What, what street How did you know that, Dave? Have you burned the house down before? No, but the neighbor. Yes. Uh, uh, a neighbor did. And we finally got to see it. Uh, and the MP come down the street. Uh, but in the in the real world, in the real world, and I say the real world because anybody that's on a military base one day will be back out there in the real world. Trust me, when you're on post and you're living on post in base housing, you are protected, and it is a bubble, and that's a preferred place to be. I don't care how many people go, ooh, I hate being on military housing. No, military housing is a godsend. By all means, do it. Play their stupid games. Those stupid games are a whole lot, a whole lot better than some damn company that's taking care of leases uh, in the outside world and then decides they're not going to give you your money back. What recourse do you have? And you say you're not going to, you're going to turn them into to base housing. So base housing will never allow another service member to rent from you again. Hurt them. They don't care. But when you're on post, they have to follow the regulations. They have to follow what the military says. It's a better place to be, guaranteed better place to be. Outside in the real world, if us guys take some take our kids down to the park and other women get upset, next thing you know, you have cops and you have FBI and you have the CIA pulling your ass out and throwing you in some dark, dang black hole asking you, do you say the, the creature puts the motion on? Put the lotion on. You know where that came from, don't you? It puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets yes. the hose again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. We we get accused of that in real life, off post, and it is harder than hell to get away from that stigma once you have been accused. No, I am not talking yes. from experience but I have read the horror stories from people who have and still are in jail because nobody believes them. I don't either. Uh, That actually happened to one of my neighbors, believe it or not, in the civilian world. He's an air conditioning guy. He went over to a house. Uh, Young lady answers the door. She looks and she's like, is there, you know, are you the homeowner? They're like, yeah, no problem. Come on in, whatever. He fixes the air conditioner. He leaves. Turns out that the person who answered the door was only 17 years old, and she tried to say that he touched her. He yeah. came in. He did yeah. his job. He and left, and he had to register as a sex offender, even yep. though he never touched her. Nothing. He did his job. He was in and out, you know, within an hour. And she told her mom that there was an air conditioning guy here, and he tried to do this, and he tried to do that. It, it can happen. And it may actually have been partially true. She may have come on to him, and he said, hell no. And that's how she got retribution, because he denied her. Yep. It could be. And I'm ranting on something that doesn't really, probably doesn't even need to be ranting on, right? Shall we move on? Huh. Um. A stereotype that that happens inside spouse organizations is, wow, we're so glad to get you. You're here. How can we get more guys to get involved? We're just going to 
skip the color pink. Oh, did I skip color pink? Yeah, I did skip the color pink. Or mauve or still Fifty Shades of Pink, enough said on that. (laughs) Fifty Shades of Pink. Yeah, ladies, pink is pink. Some men look good in pink. Pink is pink, is pink is pink, and guys do not look good in pink. Some do. Oh, Dave, you look good. Brian does. Well, did you see Brian? Brian wore pink, and he looked good. Brian looks fabulous in pink, and he'd be proud to hear me say the word fabulous correctly. Yes, absolutely. Um, My stepmom used to buy, we used to call them sherbet colors, right? Like, because these, and that's, that's what she called them. But they were. She used to buy these very bright, vibrant shirts for my dad, and she was like, "I'll wear this," and he'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> and he looked so good. She would pick out the best outfits for him. They have said. I have, to find, I have to wonder who picked out pink for girls. Who says that it has to be any color for any gender? Oh, I can tell you who did that one, and you'll love it. It was. Uh, um, oh crap. It's the, uh, the, 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 the card people. Hallmark. Hallmark. That's right. Hallmark is the one that decided pink was for girls and blue was for boys. It was done in the... My daughter loved the color black. I mean, and then it was like, really? She likes black? Yeah. Ian likes purple and green. You know, Chris was, Chris was bitching and moaning on it one of the pages about how his coin uh, all of us all of us branch level winners get coins and you know it's cool to be coined his is pink mine's purple I am so glad I want to all of us all of us 2016's have, have purple on there because it's a unity color yes and I love it because he's going He's complaining that he tried to get it purple back in back uh, 2014, and nobody would listen to him. Well, no, they probably I, didn't listen. I just wanted to laugh and say, no, of course they didn't want to listen to you, you know, Chris, because you know you're just a pain in the ass. But I wasn't going to say that. You said it over Okay, so you guys really not want to know where? Yes. Twitty used to be pink. History of pink. What? That was Dan. What'd you say, Dan? Tweety used to be pink. Tweety, Tweety. the bird? I love Tweety. Yeah, he used to be pink. <laughs> you know some cool stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, well, all right, I'm going to get back to work, guys. I'll be back to listening. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Dan, okay, Dan's so I, I linked the the history of pink for girls and blue for boys down at the bottom of the chat pod down there. Um, they actually went to smithsonian.com, and the shift towards pink and blue happened gradually. For centuries, all children wore practical white dresses, which could be pulled up to change diapers and so forth and so forth. Then it goes back down to June 1918 in the Ladies' Home Journal article that the generally ah. accepted pink is for boys and blue is for girls. The reason that pink being a more decided and stronger color is more suitable for the boy while blue, which is more delicate and dainty, is prettier for the girl. And in 1927, huh. magazine printed a chart showing sex-appropriate colors for girls and boys, according to leading U.S. stores. 
In the 1940s, manufacturers finally settled on pink for girls and blue for boys. So baby boomers were raised with wearing the two colors. Ah. Interesting. But then, but then it went it kind of went away with the uh, women's lib and unisex colors in the 60s and the 70s. But then it came back in the 80s with yep. the development of prenatal well, testing. Okay, so to change the, the, this, the mindset of society from the pink and blue thing, if you ever watch Blue's Clues back in the late 80s, early 90s, heck yeah. Okay, Blue was actually a girl. Magenta yeah. was, was a dog. Yeah. Blue was a dog. Blue was a girl. Yeah, Blue's a girl. Magenta was the boy. Yes. So they tried to break that stereotype of colors. That's what Blue's Clues was, was, was trying to do. Now I it have the Blue's Clues well. song stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a blonde here. You know, you got to be careful with songs. They get stuck. Do not start singing it because I don't remember it, and I don't want to get it stuck in my head. So getting it stuck in your head, Dave. I don't have it. I don't remember it. I never. That's so interesting. Hey, Chris. My daughter still has a blues clue away, and she's 12. Chris has been listening in, by the way, and he says, Hi, Chris. He says, I wear prank pink pretty well, but I was hoping for a more masculine color of coin. Is that our Chris Pape? I love yes, him. Yes, it is. Yeah. I he's, love Chris. He's awesome. Chris, Chris rarely gets an opportunity. He says, hey, gang. Um, he rarely gets an opportunity to talk on the radio show because he's listening in while at work. So we'll have headphones, but he can bring it up on the screen, and he can bring up the chat room, and he can talk to us if necessary. Maybe he should stop working just so he can talk to us. He does occasionally. He does. <laughs> today he's not going to because he's, he's sticking his tongue out at you guys for making his coin pink, you see. Uh-oh. Um, Is that him trying to come up? I don't know. <laughs> You know, you could have made his day when in 2014 if you'd just given him a box of cigars. Well, I think that if you, I mean, come on, you know that he's a man. Why would you? Why wouldn't you kind of tailor things to meet his needs, like they did this year? You know, this year was with those memory boxes. They were very tailored to meet your needs or to meet who you are. You know, like I, I thought that was a lot better than what I've seen in the past. You know, where I was like. Yeah, he gets a pink coin because that's what he's going to want to use. Seriously? Come on. <laughs> Those boxes were fabulous. I absolutely love They're called life chests, I believe. Yes, you life know, chests. I mean. Nice. And they deserve a shout-out, too. It's an amazing chest. Life chest. Oh, yeah, those things were so cool. So you can look up life chest on Facebook, and I think they have pictures of all the memory chests they gave us, and they were, they were beautiful. Wonderful. I got mine here. Finally showed up. After yeah, you can find them on lifechest.com, too. I was actually thinking about ordering one. Yeah. And they, they're, 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 they're so cool. <laughs> and tell me they did not get your personality totally in that box. Um, They did. Stalking you. Uh, they were I was, stalking I was, you. I was shocked that to, to, to have the 
the Marvel Encyclopedia because as, as, a, as a book they threw in there. And, and I, I'm just, you know, just scratching my head and going, oh, my God, this is amazing. That the, the only thing I could come up with was is that they had mentioned something to Marvel. And Marvel says, oh, hell, here, give me one of these. And, and handed them one saying, put it in there, too. So, and thus, you know, working uh, working a, re- a relationship between Marvel and Life Chest, I don't know. Uh, I just, that, that, that was just too cool. Way too cool. I, I want to see what you can come up with that Grill Master book, so that way you can cook me something. <laughs> You're going to have to come to Germany. Okay, send me a plane ticket. <laughs> I would you know, gladly I'm I, I I tell you what, I'll show you how to work space A. Hey, you know, me and Susan, you know, hop on over. I've been Germany yeah, in trouble. Let's go. You guys space A it and I will make sure that we have somebody there to meet you and greet you and you can have more fun. At Ramstein? Yes. Good old Ramstein. Man, I haven't been there in a long time. I miss it. I've never been. So. Let me tell you something, Dave. When I was on AFN there, my friend Ryan and I were talking about the traffic, right, one day, and we were, like, making fun of Ramstein's traffic, and we called it Ramstau, uh, right? We were like, good gravy, they should change the name of Ramstein to Ramstau, right? And everyone was calling in, and they thought it was so hilarious, right? About 30 minutes later, we get a call from the USAFE commander, and he's like, that's really detrimental to morale. You need to stop. Okay. <laughs> Did you tell him okay. too damn bad? Fix it. Yeah. And I mean this is back when the I mean this to so the KMCC that whole like new com- that the new BX complex and everything was still being built back then and the uh the AM the PAX terminal wasn't opened yet, but it was opening and so it was just a mess. There was construction everywhere, it was just a mess all the time. Yeah. Yeah. For those who are curious what, what exactly she's referring there to is Ramstein Air Base is, is like, you know, the center hub. Everything that comes in and out of, of Europe that's military-related has to come through Ramstein. It cannot go in Frankfurt, Germany anymore. It has to come through Ramstein. And Ramstein is a pretty good-sized air base. So it, it houses NATO Air Command and it houses a... Um, whole bunch of other good stuff they they actually could be an international airport they have the right size and they have mm-hmm. just enough terminals you know size of phoenix international airport but uh instead what they do is they do all of the the, the space a's the connectors uh, all fly into ramstein and that's where they do their stuff anyway they put together a rather large commissary i mean uh exchange and it's like the it was, for a while, it was the largest exchange in the world. But they've got yeah. bigger exchanges now. Uh, even the one in uh, Fort Campbell's bigger than the one at Ramstein. But they did it in, they did it as part of the terminal for the airport, for Ramstein Air Base, for the airport, air, air terminal itself. Then there's a hotel in it as well. So... You know, you've got all of these. You've got this, this, this two-legged. It's, it's, it's kind of like set up like a, a, a piece symbol without the, the middle bottom fork in it. We're making it called the upside-down cross, broken cross. Instead, it's the, it's sectioned out like three pieces of a pie, and 
there's no actual third leg going up because that's where the gardening center is. But at the other two legs, you have all of this opportunity to put in other shops inside there. So it is an actual mall. This place yeah. is cool. It's large. We have we have full scale restaurants in there. We have two floors. We the, the, the movie theater is there. The KMCC can't. Uh, it, it stands for the Kaiser Slaughter Military Community Center, KMCC. Yep. It is the KMCC Mall. It has everything. It is so wild and crazy to be there. So if you fly in Space A, that's where I'll come get you. I am. I live close to KMCC, uh, Longstuhl Regional Medical Base, which is the largest. U.S. hospital outside of the United States of America is a hop, skip, and a jump from Ramstein. Where I remember when that Susan, used to be called LARMSI, when it was Longstuhl Regional Army Medical Center. Yeah, yeah. And at one time it was just Longstuhl. Yeah. <laughs> They're building another I had, one. I had two surgeries there when I was, uh, when I was in high school. Wow. Damn. Yeah. When you were, when yep, you were I, doing ooh, and when I used to work at Longstool Youth Programs, this is a crazy, crazy story. When I used to work at Longstool Youth Programs when I was 18 and I was driving in from Zweibrücken because it was as Zweibrücken was closing and I had a, I had a summer job at Longstool, so there was really nothing in Zweibrücken because it was closing, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was driving to Longstool and I had the windows open in my car and everything and the farmers must have been doing something and I – ended up having an asthma attack as I was driving to work and went by the youth programs and I was like, I'm having an asthma attack. And they were like, go to the ER. And I was like, peace out. I'm not going to be in today. And I had to just, and I drove myself straight into the ER at Longstool. <laughs> I walked in and I was like, Hey, I'm having an asthma attack. And they're like, Oh my God. And you drove here. I was like, yeah, it happened while I was driving. Why? What's wrong with that? They're like, where's your inhaler? I hadn't had an asthma attack in probably five or six years at that point, so I didn't have inhalers anymore. Wow. And, yeah, and it was crazy. Like, I mean, they were so great, but they were really freaking out. Now, AFN, when you were working AFN here, uh, AFN Kaiser Slaughter, the radio station, was it at Pulaski Barracks then? No, it was actually still on, um, on Vogelway. Across the okay. street from the uh, for, old yeah, furniture same, store. Yeah. yeah, it's still there. It's still there. Okay. I, I, Vogelway, for those who are, 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 don't know this, this also, uh, the Vogelway-Pulaski Barracks area is is due east of Ramstein along the Kaiser Slaughter community, Kaiser Slaughter being the largest accumulation of Americans outside of the United States of America. Uh, yep. That's what Cape Town is. And the Pulaski Barracks is a broken-down old Army-style barracks area that, that uh, is where almost all of the Army Community Services stuff is at. And then you continue going west on the military property, because it's a small little base. You then slide into Volgaway, which is Air Force. No, it used Volgaway. to be Army. Volgaway is still Army. That actually comes yep. is Army Air Command, and yeah. there is you, there's there's a, a small exchange there. There's a small commissary there. 
Yeah. Man, I remember when that was the commissary to go to. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it. And AFN's got a rather huge radio station right there. So, yep. Continue going west, and then you start getting into the the Claver area, the Kaiser Concern. Concern I used to see my medical, my doctor used to be on Claver Concern. So, yeah, yeah. It's it's a neat little community, uh, kind of sort of in the heart of the east side of Germany. Um, You still west, 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 due west in Germany, and that's where you start ending up hitting Stuttgart. And you go to north, and you start ending up seeing Wiesbaden, and, and uh, you keep going north, and you'll find Berlin, but uh, give you an idea where we are in Germany. And now that I've given you all a pretty much graphic description of Germany, now you know where I'm at. Okay, so I, re- I remember playing, uh, no, playing like running cross-country and playing football against Berlin High School before the wall came down. And, man, that was difficult to get there. You're showing your age, Susan. Stop. I don't care. It's cool, though. (laughs) I mean, like, I remember when I was, like, you know, like, us going to East Berlin when I was a kid and us going through Checkpoint Charlie and everything like that, and, man, it was scary. I had just gotten out. uh, No, actually, no, I was still in the military when uh, What year was that? So the last year that before the wall came down, that was in – I was in ninth grade. That was in 89. I won't tell you how old I was then. Oh, I don't care. Um, (laughs) You know, because I don't care. Um, But, you know, so then the (laughs) next year in 90, when the wall was down, but they had not reunified yet, that made things really interesting trying to get there to, you know, for high school games and then for them to travel to see other, to compete, you know, to compete against other DOD schools in Germany and then across, across Europe. By 91, they had reunified, and then in the process, they were starting to shut down Berlin, uh, the, the the military base there. And I think by 92, 93, it was all shut down. By 93, I think it was all gone, like my base was, too. Wow. So it was, you know, and that was uh, what happened with Ryan. And Ryan Mine used to be our big hub over there, and now it's Ramstein. But it took them 15 years to shut it down. Man, it was really cool. Liberty. Liberty. Hmm? What? What? Yeah, no, I heard, heard something. What? Sound like Mindy. <laughs> Mindy said something. I was memories. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was memories. really fun yeah. living over there then. You know, like, I mean, it was really a very interesting time, you know, to see – the Berlin Wall come down, and, you know, for you know, you hear Reagan, you know, you see Reagan saying this, and you hear him saying, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall, and you see everyone cheering, and you're like, yeah, he's right. Let's tear down that wall, and then finally it does come down, and it was just, it was so inspiring and so amazing. There were families from former Eastern and Western Germany that had been separated when the wall went up that hadn't seen each other in 40 or 50 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was so cool, and it was just, I mean, it was just, I mean, it really was a very mind-blowing experience to see that as a kid, you know. I mean, I just thought, I this is, this is really very cool to see this happen. And then to see just the entire Eastern Bloc 
fall. And then it was no longer the USSR. It was all of a sudden they were separate countries recognized as their own sovereign nations. And it was um, it was really it was it was inspiring to see people stand up and 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 take their lives back. I thought that was just very cool. Now let's see. We wanted to we, we were talking about uh, stereotypes. Uh, we got past pink. Let's see. Wow! So glad you guys <laughs> are here. How can we make more guys spouses participate? Question. That is such a stereotype. Because I am there doesn't mean I can help you determine how many how to get more guys involved. Stop doing that, people. Please stop doing that. It's simple. All you gotta do is quit making it gender specific and get proactive on actually saying hi to people. Anybody new you should be walking up to going, hi, how you doing? What's up? What can we do you for? Yeah, uh, is this your first time here? Because I may have missed last week and I didn't say it may have missed uh, your first time here. Tell me all about you. If you get to talking to people on a regular basis, it won't matter whether or not we're guys or new spouses or, 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 or you know, you never know when the person that walks through the door might be some big wig and you walk to I'll give you I'll give you an example. I'm starting to kind of get ahead of myself here. Uh <laughs> when we were at when we were at the 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 thing with um, uh spouse of the year there in Washington DC. We had a little private get together amongst the the, the six big winners, the, the army, air force, marine, national guard. Uh, Coast Guard, everybody was there. Uh, Miss, Miss Susie Schwartz and her husband, General Norman Schwartz, were the hosts. Uh, AFI was also co-host, and so was um, Victory Media were co-host. So we did it all at a steakhouse, and it was really cool. Uh, we were in the same building as Sandbox App is based from. It was really cool. I, I really wanted to go have a swing by and talk to the guys at Sandbox since they were unable to join us at the actual town hall, but that's okay. We it, it should have done that. But anyway, General Schwartz hadn't shown up right away. He was running a little bit late. Hey, he's a retired Air Force chief of staff. He can do what he wants to do. The man earned his, earned his position. But as soon as he walked, in the door. I saw him. I recognized him because he's back from my era. And I went and said hello. And that just tickled him pink. Tickled him so much that when it came time for him and Susie to leave, uh, he, he purposely came and told me specifically goodbye. He walked up to me and saluted me before he left. You know, uh, you never know when special things like that happen if you don't put yourself out there and greet people when they walk in the door, when they're when you, you first notice them. You have to recognize <laughs> people when they come in the room. You have to recognize who's new. You can't ignore them. You've got to do this. And I'm sorry, I just I kind of got on the soapbox there. 
Sorry about that. And I, I know like General you Schwartz. He's a nice guy. You oh, know, he has over, uh, I think he told me that he has over 150 jumps. Oh, I think that wouldn't surprise me at all. Would not surprise me in the slightest bit. When he told me that, the first thing I asked him were how were his knees. I was like, are your knees okay, sir? Like, I couldn't, like, <laughs> I didn't know how else to respond. I really was like, yeah. how are your knees? <laughs> I felt so stupid with that being my follow-up question that my husband and my husband's commander both looked at me, and they're like, that's what you're going with? I'm like, that's all I could think of. You know, I mean, yep. How do you, I don't I don't know what else to say. I really was like, wow. That he's the, he's the nicest man. He's the nicest nicest man. I absolutely adore him. What was that, Jay? Oh, I was just gonna say, get off the soapbox. You only got ten minutes. Now you got eight minutes left. Oh shoot! We don't have that much time. Jay, speak to me, Jay. Can you not hear me? Yeah. Jay, we need you. We need you to keep us on track, Jay. Yeah, y'all tend to kind of wander. We do. Especially today. Today's just one of those wandering days. It's because I'm here, right? No, I I wander because of old age. Um, Oh, I just kind of follow Dave because it's fun. How do you get more guys to participate? Getting back to what what you're talking about, how to get guys to participate, um, just invite them in. Yeah. And stop nice. saying why. Oh, definitely. Yeah, stop saying why. Military wives. Stop with the wives. It's not wives. I mean, it's really not. That's one thing I've noticed that a lot of people still say is why. Oh, uh, I just had oh. a discussion with a woman yesterday, or the uh, day before yesterday, kept saying the, the wives club, the wives club, the wives this, the wives that. I'm like, I'm sitting right in front of you. You understand that, right? <laughs> it, it was just uh, an interesting conversation, to say the nonetheless. This is interesting story for you, Jay. We had um, a commander when I worked for MWR, whose wife was also a full colonel in active duty army and he was there for and he is now retired air force so um this i mean it was very interesting to see how their careers went along you know because they had to find places for them to go where both army and air force are at right so he's at this commander's training in Fort Leavenworth where they're doing now the spouse's side and this colonel's up there and he keeps like shouting out and you wives will be expected to do this and you wives will be expected to do that and just going on listing out what the expectations were for the wives right and somebody starts to laugh and then raises their hand and says do you understand sir that we do have a male military spouse in the room and he stopped and he was and 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 the colonel was actually in his uniform too at the time so and this, uh, the man who was screaming out, you wives, he was like, no, and I do apologize, sir. Um, and watching him, he said, having to shift from saying you wives to you spouses and then just actually completely sh- – like he apparently was off for the rest of the day. 
Like he didn't know what to say because he was so used to you wives, you wives, you wives, that he wasn't expecting an active duty service member to also be a male military spouse sitting in the room. Right. So, and that was, gosh, that he told me that probably 10 years ago. So, I mean, it's it's something that you all fight against all the time, you wives. And it just needs to oh, stop. And Same another lady. one is when somebody comes up and just says right off the bat, oh, by the way, ladies, um, really? I, you, you don't want to hear from me. Okay, I understand that. No. Problem. Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to uh, not include you. Well, then stop saying. Stop introducing things with "Hey, ladies." If you're a sponsor, or you're a business that is trying to get a large majority of responses, you're trying to get to 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 garner some interest in your product. Then, by all means, use the term "Hey, ladies." Because I'll be damned, I am not buying feminine products. So, hey, ladies, is proper. Yeah, you've never bought feminine products for your wife. No, I'm not buying that stuff for my wife. Hell no. She'll buy her own goddamn stuff. She's not buying me condoms, so I ain't going to buy her no damn (laughs) nothing like that. No. No, no, no. Okay, so getting back on topic, three minutes left, Ken, that's what you have a husband for? Also known as Ken, your husband, that? That's right. It, 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 when you hear that, when you hear that, you have a—that's what you you have a husband for. Why are they doing that to us? Civilian women say that to the service members' wives. You know, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm getting, it frustrates me. It frustrates me to no end. Why can't your husbands do? Why can't your husband do that? Um, uh, when they're talking to my wife, and she is, she is you 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 know she's army because she's there being army, and somebody walks up and says, "Well, why can't why can't your husband be doing that?" My wife answers, "You know, he already did. He's already been a service member." But what about I love those your wife. That, that don't? What about those? What about those guys that have never been in the service? And the wife is the one that wants to do the service first, and he's letting her. If anything, he should be applauded. You know what I'm saying? I've got we've got just about a minute left. I'm gonna leave, just leave that one out there for people to think about. Do you guys have anything you want to throw in a particular stereotype to us guys that that you think is unfair and you want to throw out there? No. I can't think of anything, but thanks for having me. You bet. What? If, what? <laughs> what I can't think anything. of anything, but thanks for having me. <laughs> I, I do remember this simple. article, and I did write a response to this article two years ago, down there in the did comment you? section. Yeah. Uh, I see, James left one, Mike left one, Jenny left one. There's Jay's. Yes, I see it. Well, folks, if you haven't read that article, it's available, and I think I put it on my page. So anyway, we'll get back in touch with you guys next week. Be watching for me and Susan's show coming up soon. Don't be be a stranger. Thank you, guys. 
The views and opinions expressed on Male Military Spouse Radio are not those of the management of MontrosSpouse.com or any of their sponsors and shall be deemed just that, opinions and views. <laughs>